But uh, we've been in this series called Debate of Satan for the last several weeks. And in this series, we're talking about offense and the damage that offense can do, and not just the damage it can do, but we're talking about how to overcome it, how to get it out of your life, how to go on living. And in week one, we talked about what we call massive offense. And Jesus said in the last days, there's going to be massive amounts of offense. People are just going to get offended by all kinds of things, and they're going to have a hard time letting go of that offense. And we learned in week one that the Greek word for offense is the word scandalon, which is literally the hook that you put bait on. And so that's a picture of what the enemy does with offense. He baits you to take it, and once you take it, he gets you entrapped in that offense. And then what we learn from Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 is that when we take the bait of offense, it leads us into a whole destructive pattern for our lives. That's what offense does. And then in week two, we talked about offensive opportunities. We looked at the life of Joseph and how he was betrayed by his brothers and how he was treated by Potiphar's wife and how he was forgotten by uh, the guy in the palace. And he was just left there, but he never took the bait of offense that we can tell in the scripture. And the result was just tremendous amounts of blessing in his life. The plan of God for him was not thwarted. And one of the reasons it wasn't is because he didn't take the bait of offense. In week three, we talked about father wounds. We looked at David and his relationship with his own dad. We looked at his relationship with King Saul, a father figure in his life, a spiritual father, and how he was mistreated and he was done wrong. He had every reason to become offended, but he didn't take the bait. He did not become offended. He continued to honor Saul. And we talked about how to get healing from those father wounds, some of the biggest offenses that we can deal with. And then in week four, we talked about how to handle mistreatment. We talked about when someone treats you wrong, how to respond to that. You can give it to God and not take vengeance. You can pray for those who hurt you. Then in week five, last week, we talked about forgiving the offense and forgiving the offender, not as a suggestion, but as a command. We are commanded by God throughout the scripture. I showed you these scriptures last week to forgive those who have offended us, to forgive those that have hurt us, and in so doing, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. And each and every one of these messages has been so impactful. God is doing a deep work in our hearts. And I don't know about you, but a lot of offense is coming up to the surface of things. And see, that's what happens when you begin to uncover where the enemy's been working in your life. Things that you didn't even know were there begin to come to the surface. They're not there to condemn you or to, or to cause you to, uh, to, to, to go back into a cycle of destruction. They are there so that you can give it to the Lord and finally receive healing and find peace in your soul from getting the offense out of your life. And this week, as we bring this series to a close... We're going to take things one step further. When you find yourself in a situation where offense has occurred, pray for them. Yes. Forgive them. Yes. And here's the last step. This is what we're going to talk about today. Seek to reconcile if possible. This is going to be a tough one, but let's get through it together, okay? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your presence that's in this room. God, we thank you that in your presence there's fullness of joy. God, and there's peace that passes understanding. And Lord, I just declare your peace over this congregation right now in Jesus' name. Every heart attuned to you. Every mind fixed on you. God, our ears are open, but more than that, our hearts are open and ready to receive your word. Now, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to respond to you in faith. And you would meet us where we are. Give us the grace that we need for today. And we give you thanks and praise for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen.
Can you be offended at an inanimate object? Like, say, a ladder. Can you be offended at a ladder? I was down here at the church yesterday doing some work, and the ladder offended me because the ladder decided he did not want me standing on him any longer. And somehow the ladder left my feet, and I hit the floor. Shorty got low, low, low. Just <laughs> I hit the floor. My head hit the wall. Nobody cared. Everybody just laughed. That's the way it goes. But I was very offended at the ladder. Went to the ER. Just kidding. It didn't, get, it didn't come to that. But I was fine. I was good. I was good. But... Um, no, I just wanted to get ahead of the rumors. Yes, I fell off a ladder. Yes, there may be security footage of it somewhere that may leak out on YouTube at some point. I just wanted to get ahead of it. We'll have a press conference after church. But when someone offends us, the last thing we really want to do in that moment is reconcile. We, we want to think about how angry we are. We want to think about how they made us feel. We want to stew in that a little bit. We we get upset, and we, we think we're justified in how we feel, and we just want to feel what we feel for a little while. We don't think about reconciliation. But after those feelings wear off, we've got a choice to make. We can either continue to stew and go into bitterness and deep offense that wounds and is really difficult to get through, or we can forgive them and then come to the place where we're ready to reconcile and move on in our relationship together. Oftentimes, reconciliation is the thing that is necessary to set us free from the trap of offense. And Jesus actually talks about reconciliation in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. He's preaching to the crowds about a lot of things, very practical things, how we should live our lives under this new law of grace. It's a wonderful message that he preaches in Matthew chapter 5. And he gets into the subject of relationships and how we are to treat one another. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 23. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Okay, so you remember while you're offering your gift at the altar, there's a fence in the relationship. Jesus said, if, if it comes to your mind, if you're about to worship and you realize there's a fence in a relationship, what does Jesus say in verse 24? He says, leave your gift right there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift of worship. That is what a high priority Jesus put on reconciliation. He said, even if you're in the middle of worship, even if you've come to my house and you're in the middle of making an offering to God and the fact that there is a fence and it comes up in your mind that your brother and sister, there's aught between you, there's, some, there's friction, there's something not right. Stop what you're doing right then and there. Go to them, make things right, and then come back and finish offering your worship to the Lord. Why did Jesus say that? I mean, you could make the case that worship is the highest priority. It's the, it's the most important thing. Why would Jesus tell you to stop doing that and go and do this? The only logical conclusion that I can come into my mind is that if there is a fence in your life, if there's a fence in your heart or your mind and you're entrapped by it, it affects your worship. It affects your ability to connect with God. And so God says, rather than offering empty sacrifices on the altar, do what is required to get your heart right before the Lord and then come back and make an offering to God with a pure heart and a right motive. 
And God said, if reconciliation with that brother or sister will fix the offense, then go and do it quickly so that your worship will not be affected. I've said this throughout the series, but I think it bears repeating, and I think this is proof of it right here. Offense is a really big deal to God. It's such a big deal. He said, don't even offer worship if there's offense. He wants you to avoid taking the bait, and when we do take the bait, he wants us to get out of it quickly. And this is how we get out of that trap. It's the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks in this series. You get out of that trap by refusing to repay evil for evil. You refuse to pay vengeance for vengeance. You give it to God in prayer. You begin to pray for the person who's offended you. Then you take another step and you forgive them for what they've done. And then thirdly, you seek to reconcile. You seek to reconcile in the relationship if it's at all possible. Several years ago, a friend of mine became extremely offended with me. Now, I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. He was going through some things in his personal life, some very difficult things, and he had reached out to me for help, and I was trying to help him. I genuinely wanted to. We met several times in person to talk. We called and texted each other often to check in, and I was trying to, you know, do what I could, offer some encouragement and prayer, offer some wisdom and advice where I could. You know, sometimes people look to you for advice, and You really don't know what to say because you've never gone through what they're going through. A lot of times it would be really good for Christians just to stay quiet and just be a presence rather than trying to give advice when you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, at least give them some scripture. The scripture's good. Um, But I was trying to do, I was just trying to be present in his life and, and just trying to be aware of what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. And he had become very badly wounded by someone that he was close to, and that was what was causing all this, and he just didn't know how to move on from it. It was, it was, it was going on and on, and the issues he was dealing with, they just wouldn't resolve. They just lasted for several months, and the longer it went, the worse he became emotionally. He became so angry and so bitter, and he actually began to seek revenge in his situation, in his words. One time when we met, he told me, I want them to hurt the way that they've made me hurt. And now he confided all this in me as a pastoral presence in his life. And obviously I was trying to help him, so I cautioned him strongly against taking revenge. As I told him that is probably the most unchristlike thing you could do. And he was a believer. And so I began to challenge his way of thinking um, and the way that he was choosing to respond to this situation. He had been dishonest about some things, and I was challenging him in that too. Because listen, truth is the foundation for everything. Jesus said, if you want to have unity, the first thing you've got to have is truth. So you can't have one person with a truth and another person over here with their truth. And when there's no truth, there can't be reconciliation. There can't be unity. And so I saw some things that didn't line up. And I said, hey, this doesn't line up. This doesn't match up. And I challenged him in that in a loving way. And somewhere in the process of all of this, he got offended with me. He accused me of turning on him, taking the other person's side. And then he accused me of conspiring with them to intentionally hurt him with the things that he had confided in me. And I was dumbfounded by this because I honestly had not done any of the things that he was accusing me of doing. The truth is I was going out of my way to try to help the guy. He was so angry and so accusatory And he began to attack me almost daily. I was getting a daily text from him that actually ended up with him threatening me um, physically and uh, and otherwise. And, and, And by the way, listen, when people pick up a fence and 
they become bitter towards someone else, it's just a matter of time before they turn their bitterness on you. That's just how it works. Hurt people really do hurt people. And we were warned of this in Hebrews chapter 12. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, be careful that you don't let a root of bitterness grow up. Why? Because when it grows up, it defiles many. So when you get bitter in your soul, it's not just one person that's going to be the recipient of your bitterness. It's going to be everybody who's in relationship with you. Everybody's going to be dealing with your bitterness now. And I believe that's what happened to me. I, I think that, uh, you know, our relationship became strained because of that. And I ended up having to end that relationship because this guy that I genuinely loved and cared about began to relentlessly attack me. And now let's talk about this for a minute because I, I told you this is going to be some heavy stuff today. So let's just talk about this for a minute because sometimes that's exactly what you have to do. I didn't want to end the relationship. I certainly didn't want to hurt him. He was going through enough as it was. But at what point do you say, I'm, I'm done with the midnight text threatening to kill me? You know what I'm saying? At what point do you say, I'm going to block his number because now you're, I, I can't have peace with you in my life. You know, I think that that's a decision that you have to come to with the Lord. There is a big difference between living with boundaries and living with walls. And it is a good and godly thing to live with boundaries in your life. And boundary says, you do not get to talk to me that way. Boundary says, you do not get to attack me personally. Boundary says, you don't get to threaten me. Boundary says that I will be here and be here for you as long as I have to be. But the minute you turn on me, I'm going to protect myself because I have a right to. Boundaries are smart. Boundaries are good. Boundaries are biblical. Living with walls up because you've been hurt is not the same thing as boundaries. I've had people describe them that way. I just have boundaries. No, you're just wounded and God desperately wants to heal your heart. There's a difference. But it came to the place and the time where I just had to say, okay, I just have to end this relationship. I have to, I have to cut it off because I don't know where this is going to go. It's not going to a good place. And then years later, I was driving to a doctor's appointment, and he suddenly came up in my mind. And I started to think about him and his situation. And literally, on the way to the doctor's appointment, it broke my heart. I began to cry in my truck thinking about him and what he had gone through and his family and everything that they were dealing with. And when I got to the doctor's office in the waiting room, I, I, I was still just praying for him and just thinking about him. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to pull up my phone and I'm going to reach out. And I sent him a message just letting him know that I was thinking about him and I was praying for him. I told him in that message that I loved him and I would love to see him again sometime. Several hours went by, I hadn't had a response from him, and then he finally messaged me back, and he basically indicated that he had no interest in doing anything like that. And so I responded, and I told him, no worries, I wish you all the best, God bless you, man, I just wanted you to know I'm, I love you. And now, I know that my reaching out was the right thing to do, and I know that that was in response to what the Lord was asking me to do, so it was obedience to God that I did it, but his response surprised me, not because I thought he would be overjoyed to hear from me, but I thought, God, if you quickened me to do this, then why did he reject me? I thought, God, if, if, if he surely would have responded better if this was you. If this is your will to reconcile, then he would have agreed and we would have been reconciled. And I was confused by the way this thing was playing out. But here's something that I learned from that situation. We talked about forgiveness last week. Forgiveness is totally up to you. It is totally up to you. You can choose to forgive someone regardless of how they feel towards you. 
You can choose to forgive them because simply it's the right thing to do. The decision to forgive someone rests solely on you. But reconciliation is different from forgiveness because reconciliation involves both parties. And for reconciliation to happen, both the offended and the offender have to want it. And while reconciliation is what God wanted and it was what I wanted, it wasn't what he wanted and I had to accept that. And honestly, it didn't bother me. I had a tremendous sense of peace because I knew that I'd honored the Lord in doing that. Now, a few years later, I happened to see him at an event that we were both attending. And you know how, you know, I kind of walked in and I saw him out the corner of my eye. And you get that impulse like I should go the other way, right? I don't want to offend him. I don't want to create a scene. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit stirred me, and I walked in, saw him out of the corner of my eye, and I walked right up to him, and I warmly greeted him, and I said, it's so good to see you. And he responded warmly. And then about 30 minutes later, he came to me, and he said, can we go talk? And I said, yeah. And we found a private place, and we talked, we forgave each other, and we were reconciled. It's a wonderful, wonderful story of God's grace and what he does. But it requires people to want to do and live their life the way the Bible tells us to. And it requires people to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Not what your emotions are saying, but what the Holy Spirit is saying, what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Now, our relationship wasn't like it was before. We weren't that close now, but we were good. And I truly believe this is God's heart for his people, especially when it comes to brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the family of God. He doesn't want us living estranged from one another. And, and, and see, offense, that's what it does. It separates us. It keeps us from being together. It keeps us from being on the same page. It keeps us from being on the same mission. It keeps us from being able to work together to advance God's kingdom on the earth. And let me tell you something. Satan works really hard to divide us in the body of Christ. That's why he uses offense as his bait. He's working overtime to get you to take that bait, to get you to take offense at what somebody said or what somebody did. He does it in your family too. You become so offended so quickly. And he's, it's his bait. He's working overtime to create that divide. But listen, while he's working overtime to cause division in the body of Christ, Jesus is working hard to create unity and overcome that offense. I believe Jesus is working hard to keep us together. The scripture says that he is sitting right now at the right hand of God, ever interceding for you and me, his church. What is he interceding for? Well, if you read John chapter 17, one of the things that Jesus is praying for is unity in the body of Christ, unity among brothers and sisters, unity in the spirit, in the bond of peace. When we come together in unity, we become a force of power that this world cannot stop. That's why it's so important that we stay on the same page. That's why reconciliation is God's heart for his people. Because while offense divides us, forgiveness and reconciliation unifies us again. Paul said something very interesting in Acts 24, 16. I want you to look at this with me. He said, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void to offense towards God and toward men. Now, that's the King James Version, but what is he saying there? Paul's saying, I'm going to do my best to live my life without developing offense towards God or towards anybody else. 
Now that sounds good. That sounds like a plan. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you, how do you make that happen? Well, Paul tells us, he says, I exercise myself. Your Bible might say, I strive for it. Other translations say simply, I do my best. What Paul is saying is that in order to live an offense-free life, this is something that you've got to work at. You've got to make a decision in. You've got to strive for. In a relationship, offenses are going to come. Jesus told us they would. You've got to say, I'm not going to take the bait of offense. I'm I'm going to live an offense-free life. I exercise myself. That word exercise in the Greek is askeo, askeo. It means to exert in all one's diligence or to endeavor for, to strive. It means to engage with both continuity and effort. Here's the reality. There are some offenses, and when they hit us, we get over them quickly. You know, we're okay, we move on, we forget about them, we're fine. Then there are other offenses that wound us deeply. I think about, I grew up watching professional wrestling. I loved it. And it's real, by the way. Wrestling is real. (laughs) And there were times when, you know, watching Ric Flair... He would take the back of his hand, and he would do a chop. Pow! Everybody's talking about Will Smith this way. But if he had come up and done a a, a Ric Flair chop, Chris Rock would have been on his back. A backhand. Pow! Ric Flair would do those chops, and they would hurt, you know, and people, but they'd stay on their feet. But then if you got outside the ring with Ric Flair, he would take a chair, and he would hit you in the head with a metal chair, and then you would go down to the ground. You know what I'm saying? There are some offenses, they hurt, but you get over them quickly. There are other offenses that wound you, they knock you down, they hurt you deeply. And listen, when you become wounded, wounds don't heal overnight. And if they're not properly treated, wounds may never heal. And we can live a life void of offense, like Paul said, towards God and man. We can have relationships with people, listen, that don't always end up with us wounded. How do you do that? You exercise yourself to live a life free of offense. That's only possible if we exercise properly, if we put in the right amount of effort to strengthen the right places. Years ago, I was filling in as as a youth pastor. I was on staff at our church leading worship as the music minister, and our youth pastor, he left and went to another church, and so we, we had several months where we didn't have anybody, and I was asked to fill in, and I said, sure, I can do that. I used to be a youth pastor. I could, you know, pull out my Jordans and play some basketball again with the kids. Not a problem. And so first Wednesday night, I'm there. You know, we have church, and then we're going to play basketball afterwards, and I came out there in my Jordans, and they're like, okay. I was like, yeah, you guys don't even know what's about to happen up in here, and I did a couple of like one of these right here, you know, uh, just really had a good time, and Get, did my warm-ups like normal, and the game just started, and I'm, I'm out at the perimeter. Everybody, you play basketball, you got your spot, you know you got your shot. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? It's money. If you're open, oh my goodness, that is every time. And so I'm there just on the right side of the court, three-pointer. I get the ball. I come up with a jump shot. Oh, it was so nice. The problem is I pulled my muscle, and it hurt bad. So now, you know, I'm the old guy everybody's making fun of. And I'm like limping off the court. I'm like, you guys have fun. I'll be back in a minute. I'm just going to get some ice. Uh, and so Carmen was like, you don't get to play basketball anymore, okay? You, ha- you don't get to do this. You have to stop. But here's the deal. I, I, I went to the doctor. We looked at it. And he was just like, you know why this happened? It, it happened because you don't exercise often enough or properly. 
And, you know, the reality is, if I wanted to play basketball today, I could... <laughs> There's a lot that goes into that, but I wanted to come, if I wanted to make a comeback to the court, I would need to exercise. I would need to put some effort in. I would need to strive to do the thing, to get in shape so that I can live my life the way that I want to and avoid injury. Listen, it's the same in our spiritual lives when it comes to offense. But instead of physical exercise, it's spiritual exercise. It's things like reading your Bible every day. It's, a, it's things like praying for others. It, listen, it's really hard to become offended towards someone that you are praying for regularly. It's things like worship, keeping your focus on God. That's huge. It's the three by five challenge. We talk about that. Those three things, if you'll just spend five minutes a day doing those three things, reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, it makes such a tremendous difference in your life. But this is the spiritual exercise that we all need that will cause us to become a lot less likely to become offended towards God and towards others when things happen. Because listen, things are going to happen. There's going to be things said. There's going to be tension. There's going to be misunderstandings in a relationship. We've got to exercise ourselves to keep from getting to that place of destructive offense. Let me show you this in the scripture. Psalms chapter 119, verse 165. The Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and watch this, and nothing shall offend them. That's huge. That's the power of the word of God. It shows you how to live your life. It shows you how to live and bring God glory with your life. And when we choose to live our lives by his word, the scripture says we have great peace. But we also, as a byproduct, live a life where we are, it's very difficult to offend us. And there are times when you will read your Bible or you will pray and the reality is you feel nothing. And in those moments, you think, I'm wasting my time. I'm not getting anything out of this. Listen to me. Keep on doing it faithfully. Keep on doing it every day because you're getting more out of it than you think you are. You're strengthening your spirit man. And that doesn't always come with goosebumps and good feelings in the moment. Sometimes it comes later that day when something happens and you have an opportunity to become offended, but you choose not to. Sometimes it happens later because you have, a, you have an opportunity to take the temptation of the enemy but you say no to the temptation. How, how are you able to do that? It's because you've been exercising your spirit man. And at the right time, what's inside of you comes out of you. When you get in a pressure situation, what's inside of you comes out of you. And the Holy Spirit is so strong in you because you've been feeding your spirit man. And you live this offense-free life. You live this sin-free life. Not because you're better than anybody else, but because the spirit is strong in you. Your flesh is weak. Your spirit is strong. It makes a difference. Keep on exercising regardless of what you feel. Oh, I'm preaching to myself today. <laughs> exercising will help you avoid offenses in relationships with others. And here's the reality. Sometimes when you've been exercising, your spirit man, you've been honoring others, you're doing things the right way. The reality is sometimes offense is just unavoidable. I mean, look, people even got offended with Jesus. He's perfect, okay? If they got offended with Jesus, they're going to get offended with you sometimes. And so what happens when that, when that happens? How do we respond when you've done everything you can and you're trying to live your life the right way and still offenses come up? Well, I would just want to say it again. Reconciliation is God's heart for his people. Reconciliation is what we strive for. Listen, there are too many of us walking out of relationships that God has ordained for us to be in. 
simply because we refuse to deal with the offense, because we refuse to deal with our hard issues. So we just walked away because we thought it was easier. But what we don't realize is our fence travels with us, and we'll take it into the next relationship. We'll take it into the next friendship. We'll take it into the next marriage. We'll take it into the next one, whatever. It, 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 it's got to be healed, and it can't get healed if you keep walking away from people. Amen? It's like the advanced step in our exercise regimen. God wants to restore relationships. And so Jesus taught us how to do it in Matthew 18. Look at this. Matthew 18, verse 15. This is what Jesus said. Again, he's preaching about relationships here. He's talking to his disciples about it, how to live with one another. He says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. So what Jesus is doing here is he is giving us the steps that lead to reconciliation in a relationship. And he says it starts right here by going directly to that person. If someone has offended you, you should go privately to them. Now, let me say this. You don't want to go right away. Okay, if somebody offends you, you don't want to just be like, hey, man, you know, like because like, your emotions are high. Go to God first. Get yourself together. Find, find that place of peace. But then your next step is to go directly to them, and you go privately, not publicly. So you don't want to call them out in a life group, okay? Everybody's sitting around having this holy moment and be like, you know what? I've got something against you, pal. That's not the time to do it, okay? You want to go, you want to go privately. Um, that includes social media, okay? I've had people, like, tag me and go off on me as if it was a private conversation. I was like, hello, everybody sees it. That's not private, <laughs> I've literally had that happen. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and this is another thing. Let me just say this. People like to vent on social media. They'll just go off. And they're like, well, I didn't use any names. Everybody knows who you're talking about. Okay? There was a, I, I shouldn't say this, but I will. There was a couple, a, a married couple that used to come here. And we always knew when they were fighting because of their social media interaction. I was like, you guys need to get off Facebook right now. You know, I was like, I see it, man. I see it. Go privately. Go privately. Also, don't go behind their back. Don't gossip. Did you know gossip's a sin? If you go to someone else with something that you should have gone to another person to directly, you've, you've entered into sin. Let me tell you what you need to do if someone comes to you with gossip. You've got to stop them right there and say, listen, I love you. I'm not going to do this because we're about to take a step into sin, so I'm just going to tell you you need to go directly to them. And help them, help them understand that. You go directly to them. And when you go to them, listen, we're not going to vent about what we're so mad about. We're not going to that person so that we can unload on them and tell them everything they've done wrong and how they've hurt us. We are going to reconcile. That, that venting, that everything that you've done to hurt me, like that, 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 that aggression, that anger moment, that's okay. Listen, we're human beings. We can have that moment, but that needs to be directed to God. You work that out, and then you come to the place where you forgive them, and then you go to them to reconcile. And when you go to them, Jesus said it, point out their offense. There's, I, I, it, we're not in denial. You don't take blame where you shouldn't or anything like that. Point out their offense. Say, look, you said this, and this hurt me. You, you demonstrated this behavior, and this is the way I responded to it. Give them a chance to address it. Perhaps you misunderstood something. Perhaps you inferred meaning or accusation that wasn't there. Or perhaps you heard them right, and now they know that it hurts you. And now they can repent for those words or those actions. There is a right way and a wrong way to do this. When I was in, uh, at, at Lee University, Carmen and I were both in this choir called Campus Choir. And we went through this 
time where our director, he just wanted us to do this a lot. Like go to somebody and pray over them. And if you've got something against them, confess it to them. And it was like every rehearsal we're doing this. And we had this song we sang with it. I love you. I need you to survive. It was like, okay, we're going to do this again. Great. You know? And, uh, and so people would go and they'd be like, hey man, like it's not a big deal. But the other day, like when you stabbed me in the arm, it hurt and I'm okay, but no, it wasn't that extreme. But, you know, we, we were having these conversations because he wanted unity in the, and it makes sense. I mean, it was a good practice, but it was just like all the time. And so finally, this girl, she walks up to Carmen and she says, hey, I just, I want to say I'm sorry because I really just don't like you very much. <laughs> and Carmen responds, it's okay. I don't like you either. <laughs> now, there's a right way to do this and a wrong way to do this. That is the wrong way to do that. And I told Carmen I was going to share that story. She told me I could. But the right way to do this, listen, is to imitate Christ Jesus and how we do it. And there's two ways, there's two scriptures that I want to show you where how we can imitate Christ in our relationships, especially when we're seeking rec- reconciliation or where there's friction. The first one is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Look at this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Then he says this in verse 5. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes on in verse 8, and he tells us what that mindset was. He says that he humbled himself. See, going to the other person, especially when you know that you're not in the wrong, that is you humbling yourself. And it is the right thing to do because it's what Jesus did. See, pride says they can come to me. They hurt me. They can come to me. But humility says I'm going to go to them because I value them over myself. I value the relationship over my feelings. Humility says I will go to them. Listen to this. Spiritual maturity says I will go to them as well. Okay? And when you go to them in a spirit of humility... It's not about you. It's not about how they made you feel. The agenda is not about you. It's not about you getting things off your chest and venting and attacking and all that. It's about reconciliation. It's about the relationship. In humility, you value them above yourself. That's the right way to approach it because that's the nature of Jesus. Let me give you another scripture that shows us how to approach this thing in a Christ-like way. It's Romans chapter 2, verse 4 in the New Living Translation. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? That turning away from sin, there's a word for that. It's the word repentance. And see, that's what needs to happen when someone has offended us and they've hurt us, they've sinned against us. What needs to happen is that they need to repent. The New King James Version says, instead of God's kindness, it says it's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. And so again, what is the goal of us going to the person who has offended us? It's not to attack them or berate them or make sure they know how bad they hurt you. The goal is to be reconciled to them. Forgiveness can happen whenever you're ready for it. That's up to you. Reconciliation, listen, it can't happen until they repent for what they've done. So if you go to someone and you point out their faults and they say, I didn't do that and I don't really care how you feel about it. Okay. You move on and then there's another step you take. 
And the next step you take is you take someone with you, not someone on your side, not someone on your team, not someone that you prepped. And you, you know, you talk, you just say, Hey, I'm having some issues with somebody and I know you love us both. Will you go and help, help us figure this out? That's what the Bible, that's what Jesus said to do. There are, he wants you to be reconciled so bad. He's like, there are three steps you can take. And if they keep pushing you away, you've done everything you can to do. But I want you to do everything you can before you just walk away. If reconciliation is the goal and repentance is the step that we need to take to get there, according to the scripture we just read in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, what creates an atmosphere for repentance? Is it condemnation? Is it judgment? Is it accusation? No. The Bible says it's goodness. It's kindness. So listen, that's how we are to approach them. It is with goodness and kindness. It is with the goal to reconcile. This is the model we are to follow if we're following after Jesus. Humble yourself, going to them first. Value the relationship above your feelings and then create an atmosphere of kindness and goodness towards them that will make them want to, in turn, repent and reconcile. Now, you might be wondering, because I know some of you, I know your story, and you've, you've gone through things that are... Are, are difficult to wrap your mind around. And you're thinking, this reconciliation thing, this isn't for me because of what they've done to me. The hurt is too deep. It's too hard. What happens? What if the offense is so deep and wounding? Should I still seek to reconcile? This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So listen to me. I'm telling you that when you reach out in love, even when you've been hurt, that is a decision that will manifest in your own healing, no matter how they respond to you. And it hurts to get rejected. I've been there. It hurts to put yourself out there and somebody say, nope, nope, I don't want to be reconciled. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want this marriage to work. Whatever it is, it hurts. But what you're doing is you're fulfilling the law of Christ, and what you get in response to that is the blessing and favor of God. You get his peace. You get freedom from the trap. They may still be entrapped, but you are free because you've done what the word of God said to do. That's why I say we seek reconciliation if possible. Two wrongs have never made a right. And if you want to walk with Jesus, listen, you don't have a right to walk in offense. If there is a wrong that's been done to you, that is between them and God. But if you've been harboring unforgiveness and offense towards them, you are also sinning against God, is what the Bible says. And if forgiveness and reconciliation is possible and you choose not to pursue it out of spite or pride, doesn't that also make you in the wrong, even though they're the ones who created the offense towards you? It absolutely does. Let me show you one more verse of Scripture that speaks to this. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 18. The Bible says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on me. And here's the reality. Sometimes reconciliation isn't possible. But don't let it be because you refused. Don't let it be because you adamantly opposed it. If the other person responds in repentance, then reconciliation is the right thing to do because it's the biblical thing to do. It doesn't mean you go back to the way the relationship was before. But it does mean that you are right. You're right with God. You're right with them. You're responsible before God for how you conduct yourself and how you live your life. You're not responsible for the way they live their life and the way they respond. But if you forgive the offender and you reach out to reconcile, 
regardless of what happens next, what you have done has pleased the Lord. He is proud of you, and he's going to bless you for that obedience. I want the band to come up and get ready to play softly as we come to a close here today. And I know that this is a scary message. Honestly, when I was reading the book, The Bait of Satan, I saw, you know, the last chapters about reconciliation, and I, and I thought, you know, I don't want to read that. I don't, I don't want to know about that. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> don't tell me. Because um, a lot of times we just think it's easier just to walk away. It's easier just to end it. But I know from personal experience, there are so many times that when we just simply walk away, we miss what God has for our lives. The other person misses what God has for their life. They miss their opportunity. I can't tell you how many people over the years have got offended about something in church. They've got offended at someone in church. They've got offended at me. They've got offended with God, whatever. And they choose to leave. You know, and I don't hear from them. I don't know what happened. They just disappear. And it's always, it always hurts. You know, that wounds. Because you're like, what, what, what happened? People just disappear. And you know there's some offense that happened, but you don't know why. Inevitably, most of the time, sometimes it takes years, but most of the time, we'll hear from those people again years later. And they'll say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I didn't leave the right way. I shouldn't have left. I didn't handle it right. There was a better way to do it. And what that just tells me is we, we just, we missed that opportunity that God had. He placed you in this body so that we could do something for God together. And we missed the opportunity because of offense. And see, that's what happens in our relationships. We missed the opportunity that we have because we got offended. And the offense drove us apart, it divided us, and now that friendship isn't there. Now that relationship doesn't exist anymore. Now that ministry can't happen. And if you want reconciliation, you've got to be willing to take the risk. And, and I know it's a risky thing to go to somebody and, 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 and initiate this conversation, especially when you're not the one who offended. Um, but I just want to remind you that Jesus took the risk with us. He wasn't the one that offended in our relationship either. We offended him. But we were worth it to him. And he forgave us on the cross, but we became reconciled to him when we repented for our sin. And it's the same way with others. Our posture should be towards them like his is towards us. We've, we've already forgiven you. But we can be reconciled if we, if we will handle this the right way. I heard someone say recently, and this really touched me, they said, never be afraid to be the person who loves the most. Never be afraid to be the one who goes first. When you do that, you're fulfilling the word of God. You're living out the nature of Christ. In 1 John, it says, how do we know what love is? Well, we know what love is because Christ showed us what love is. He went first. He showed us the full extent of his love. That's how we know. He wasn't afraid to go first, and we shouldn't be either. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. You're being like Jesus. You're choosing to love. Your love is stronger than offense. It's, you're choosing to honor the word of God. One more quick story before we close. There was another 
person that I, I, I became just extremely offended with and they hurt me in ways that I, I still struggle to put in words sometimes and I was just very wounded and bruised by their actions towards me and it hurt very badly and, uh, and then they just disappeared so it's like okay we, we really don't have a chance to work through this because now you're just gone and I was struggling with it for a long long time and again, the same thing that happened in my previous story, I just felt like the Lord quickened me one day and I just picked up my phone and I reached out and I, I, I made a call and I just said, I just want you to know I love you. And in that moment, this wonderful grace filled my heart and it filled theirs too. And we were able to cry together on the phone and just reconcile and it was such a wonderful thing. I... I you know, looking back, there were probably things that I didn't do well in the way all that went down. You know, oftentimes we think we're perfect, but we're not, you know. But reconciliation is so much better than holding on to offense. And I, you know, I struggled with that for years, and it just set me free. That's what it did. It made me free. It cleaned my heart out. I'm telling you, there's a reason that God's Word tells us to do this. And so here's the question I have for you today. How will you respond? God's goal for you is to avoid offense. And when you fall into it, it's to get out of it quickly. This is how we get out of it. We choose to forgive them, and then we reconcile if possible. Come on, stand with me all across the room. We're going to pray in just a minute, but as, as we get ready to close, will you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And I just want to ask you, who are you still harboring unforgiveness towards in your heart today? Who do you need to, to forgive? When you forgive someone, you're releasing them. You're releasing them from the prison that you put them in in your own heart. You're not releasing them before God. The Bible says vengeance is the Lord's. He's a good God. He's full of mercy and grace, but he's also a God of justice, and he knows what needs to happen. You're releasing them and trusting them to God. But you're saying, I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. I'm going to forgive them. Who are you harboring unforgiveness towards? And here's the second question. Who have you been avoiding the conversation with and you know you need to have it? Who do you need to seek reconciliation with? Who do you need to go to? Who do you need to apologize to? These are tough questions today, but I want us to take some time with the Lord and I want you to just let him speak to your heart. Father, we are open to you. Holy Spirit, show us things that we would otherwise not see today. Show us the offenses in our heart, God. We don't want to live with those things, Lord. We understand the destructiveness of them. We want to be free today. God, would you help us to become free by making the right decisions today? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, Mark, lead us in this song.